Shabbat Shalom. I imagine that this will surprise no one, uh, but when rabbis text, they text each other Rashi's. That's just the way that we work. And so a good friend of mine uh, earlier this week texted me a Rashi saying, you got to see this, this one's insane. And because, uh, you know, that's what we do. And so I owe my friend uh, Ethan Linden, Rabbi Ethan Linden, uh, for showing this to me. But I want to share it with you because he's not wrong. This Rashi is wild. So at the beginning of our Parsha, we see that a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph arises. And that Pharaoh is worried about the Israelite population in Egypt because lest when their enemies come to, uh, to war with them, the Israelites become an enemy within. And so Pharaoh is worried about the Israelite slave population and so uh, begins this program of oppression of the, of the Israelites. And we know this from movies and from the Haggadah, right? That, that Pharaoh decrees, what? The death of the children and asks the midwives to do the uh, actual dirty work. And they, of course, refuse. We've seen this, bef this show before. And they refuse. So then Pharaoh has to try something else. And that's where this line that we read today comes in. So he says, Pharaoh changed, charged all of his people, saying, every boy that is born you shall throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So this is a famous decree on the part of Pharaoh. We've read it. We know it. It's told at our Seder tables. But until I had gotten this text, I never noticed something that Rashi and the rabbis point out. So when Pharaoh gives this command, he gives it to all of his people. And he, but it also does not specify when it says which boys are meant to be thrown into the Nile, that it's the Hebrew boys. Right? Which it does specify before. So seemingly this decree is that every single male child born in Egypt, regardless of where they come from, is to be thrown into the Nile. And that's exactly how the rabbis read it. And they have this, the rabbinic imagination says that Pharaoh on that day was given a prophecy by his astrologers, right? Those magicians who were in the wonder-working battle with Moshe. And they say that a deliverer for the Israelites is going to be born today. We don't know if they are Egyptian or Hebrew, which, by the way, as we talked, Mika shows, again, it's okay, you can do whatever you need to do, Mika. I didn't mean to uh, call you there. Right? But shows that even right, the astrologers know this dual identity that Moshe has. We don't know if he's Egyptian or if he's Israelite. But what we know is that his end, his demise, will come by way of water. That is the Harry Potter-esque prophecy that Pharaoh is given on this day, that the Savior is going to be born. We don't know if it's Hebrew or, is, or Egyptian, but that his demise will come by means of water. So that's why Pharaoh decrees that every single child, every single male child that is born should be thrown into the river. Now we, the reader, goes on, Rashi knows that what's the water that's going to be the end of our deliverer? It's not the water of the Nile, but later when he hits the rock to get the water, right? That's what his end's going to be. But Pharaoh doesn't know that. So 
the rabbinic imagination here is somewhat wild. Just to recap, this is saying that Pharaoh, after trying to do something about the Israelite population, changes his decree and asks for every single male baby in his kingdom to be murdered. And while it is an insane thing for the rabbis to think, it's actually a fairly common, I would imagine, practice of despots all over. Right? We see that, that the injustice and the oppression of, a, of an autocratic ruler like Pharaoh starts to spread. It by necessity has to. And it might start in one direction, it might start only geared towards the Israelites, but it overflows and it starts to go towards this entire people. And that's something that we see in our world in history time and again. And the rabbis understood this, and the rabbis see another proof text for this in the rest of the Parsha. Because next week we're going to read about the plagues. And when we come to the tenth plague, right, to the final plague and the death of the firstborn, the Israelites are told that they have to go into their homes and they have to put the blood over the lintels and they have to hide there all night long and they can't leave. And the rabbis ask a relatively reasonable question, which is, what do you mean the Israelites can't leave their homes? God is God, right? God, God isn't smart enough to pass over the Israelites and only take care of the Egyptians, even if the Israelites are walking around in the shuk. Like, why do they have to hide? And so Rav Yosef in the Gemara, in the Talmud, says that they have to hide because once permission is given to the destroyer, meaning the Malachamavit, the angel of death, it does not distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. Rav Yosef says the reason that the Israelites had to hide is because once the tenth plague gets started, once the destroyer is out there in Egypt, the destroyer will not make a distinction between the wicked and the righteous, but come for all of them at the same time. And so they had to hide. Destructive forces, once released, do not often distinguish between who is right and who is wrong, who is righteous and who has not been, who is part of the problem and who simply resembles them. Just ask peace activists who lived in Kfar Aza. Just ask Palestinians who happen to live in the wrong building and be there at the wrong time. Once the destroyer is out there, Precision quickly gives way to collateral damage. Now there are times when force is needed. Sometimes we, strength is in fact our protection, and we must defend ourselves and our people, and still we should, whenever possible, restrain the necessary oppression and violence that follows. Pharaoh's laws can widen their scope. The destroyer comes for the righteous and the non. Violent language, unchecked rhetoric, fear, and animus. These things lead to bad places. We just need to think of the date on the calendar today for examples. What is true in our world is true inside all of us as well. Destruction, anger, violence, these things in ourselves, in our person, take hold. Ramban, one of our medieval rabbis, is giving a commentary on the verse of the Torah that says you have to shoo away the mother bird before you can take the eggs. And Ramban says an interesting thing in that place. Why do you have to shoo away a mother bird before you take the eggs? Because it would be considered cruel to 
kill a mother bird and the eggs at the same time. And Ramban says, you can't do that because because cruelty takes hold in the heart of a human being and it spreads. If we let a little bit of cruelty into our hearts, it doesn't go away. In fact, it stays and it grows. The rabbis understood this about human beings and that's why the entire Torah comes to be a refining agent on our humanity, to be something that keeps us in check, that knows that we, like God, God's self, are going to get angry. We, like God, God's self, are going to want vengeance. And we, like God, God's self, are not always going to be able to control what happens once we get the ball of vengeance rolling. Even God can't contain the destroyer once it is released. So too for us, as we think about the way that we live our lives, so too for us, do we need to control when we get angry? Do we need to control the ways that we would seek vengeance in our lives? Now, please God, most of us don't have many reasons to go out and seek vengeance in our world. I don't think that's a big epidemic happening out here. But, I worry, the more afraid that we get, the more scared that we are, that we will turn to dark places as well. And the world is a scary place, just as it was back then. And we need strength, and we need power, and we need to stand up for who we are, and we will. And we also need to make sure that in our standing up, we don't release vengeance, we don't release a destroyer that can't be stopped. We need to think about that because we Jews know all too well that we are often the people who get hurt when the borders of oppression and violence overthrow the, overflow their original intent. They come for us. And so it's our job to act with compassion in our world. It's our job to act in a way that holds back the forces of hate, that asks for cruelty to not take hold in anyone's heart anywhere so that it does not spread. Because we see Moshe, our great Savior, his downfall was not in the Nile. His downfall was not at the Red Sea. His downfall came by water, but it came by the water of Meribah when he let his anger go unchecked. He was mad at the people. He struck the rock, and because of that, he's not able to enter the promised land. We can follow in the lesson of Moshe, this great man who, when he saw something happening, he stood up. He fought the taskmaster. He stood up to Pharaoh. He led the people out. And even he had to make sure that his anger didn't go unchecked, because that's what did him in at the end. And his descendants, the Levites, have the same problem time and time again. Our Torah, a motif, is the Levites overflowing with violence and that violence leading to bad places. So for all of us, we need to think about the ways in which we can find compassion. Think about the ways in which we can curtail violence and hate while still standing up for what we believe in and who we are, but not letting it out. Going too far in our hatred is something that can make things worse. Now God has, in this crazy Rashi, no remedy other than to hide and let it pass. And that might be something that we have to do in our lives, but also 
we, like Moshe, can stand up. We can stand up for what is right. We can stand up when we see the violence. We can stand up to protect those who are in danger of violence, no matter whom they are, to make sure that it does not spread further than where it already is. The news is full of articles about people, the global powers trying to make sure that the war that's going on in the Middle East doesn't overflow into other areas and other theaters. And it's our job not to do work on the global reality, but to make sure that the hatred, the fear, the things that we feel don't overflow from our hearts and affect, infect ourselves and the people around us. Shabbat Shalom.